Welcome to the Death Dialogues Project podcast. The Death Dialogues Project is a grassroots movement with an aim of getting conversations of death, dying, and the aftermath out of the closet and into the light. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of tragedy and triumph and breaking down and rebuilding lives, and we also frequently hear glimpses into the great beyond. We are so glad you're joining us on our journey. So sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. I am so excited for you to sit in on this conversation that I had with Anne Vlahos today. Anne began her journey of understanding of death, spirituality, and life's meaning at 20 upon the loss of her grandmother. Years later, she learned action, acceptance, and stillness allow one to see the gifts which only a loved one's departure brings. Anne is a self-employed business strategist residing in Vermont in the USA. Inside today's episode, you'll have a special gift when Anne takes us on a two-minute guided imagery that might deepen our connections with our loves that we have seen crossover. I loved this conversation. You're going to, too. Sit back and enjoy. I'd like to give a big welcome to our guest for today, Ann Vlahos. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Becky. I'm really excited to uh, have an opportunity to talk and share stories. Great. So, Ann, your story is so interesting and layered. I just wonder if you might just jump right in and start sharing your story with us, if that's okay. Sure. Um, I'm not quite sure where to begin, so I'm going to probably start with a piece that um, is probably unique, and then we'll kind of go back and a little bit about how that wove into uh, where I am today. So, um, uh I think when we all talk about um, about the loss of someone, the first thing that we kind of think of is, you know, where we were when we heard the news. And the news is whether it's, a, you know, about, you know, an accident, um, you know, a, a transition or maybe, you know, a long term illness, it's going to end in a transition. And so um, the story I'd like to share is actually the story about um, how I learned the news about my mom. And um, so this was back in um, 2007. Um, my mom and I rose, uh, my mom and dad and I, our family is pretty close. And um, I, uh, my parents were at the time, my mom was uh, 84 and my dad was 82. And I was uh, traveling for work, driving in a car. And um, as I was driving, I happened to kind of get a little bit turned around and lost in an area. And as I was doing that, I, I couldn't imagine why I was getting lost. And then I realized it was an area where a lot of my relatives were from. And so I said, well, you know, that's kind of unique. I wonder if there's a message coming through. So I decided to just kind of pull over into a parking lot and shut the car off and shut the radio off. And I said, okay, if there's a message um, looking to come through, I'm open. And um, within a second, um, I heard the voice of my Uncle Joe um, who, by the way, had passed away three years prior, saying, Anne, I just want to let you know that I'm coming for your mother soon. Um, I, uh, I'll be here for her, and there's nothing to worry about. I just wanted to let you know. And um, Wow. Yeah. 
Had you yeah. received a message like that before? Not like that. This was so direct. Wow. So this was, this was the first time it was direct. And, and so my response, um, you know, I hear these things in my head. I, I you know, I, I guess some people might call this clairaudient. Mm. And, um, you know, so I, I just heard him, but it's like, I heard him as if he was as close to me as sitting in the car. <clears throat> so um, I, my response to him was, thank you so much for letting me know. I love you. Mm. And, and he said, okay. Um, and then the next thing that I did was um, I, I picked up the phone and called my best friend, Jackie, at the time. And I said, um, I, you won't believe just what happened. And I've shared a few of these things with her. So it's somebody safe that I can kind of call up and say, hey, you know, there was this foreshadowing. I'm just marking it with you. And then if it happens, we know, you know. Wow. Yes. And uh, so I, I kind of told her what happened. And her question to me was, well, <clears throat> how and I said, well, on the one hand, I'm really glad that I know. Um, but on the other hand, I, I, I know I'm going to be losing my mom really soon. And, and there's a part of me that's not going to jump forward to that event, but I'm going to just, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to know, right. I'm going to know. So um, fast forwarding just a, I don't know, about a week, a week and a half. Um, my kids had vacation from school. So we live about five hours from my parents. I was driving down. We stayed at my parents one night and then we drove where we were headed. And then we came back and stayed with them another night and headed back, back home the next. But as we were getting ready to leave their house on our way back home, my mom and dad were standing on the back porch. We had already said our goodbyes, packed the car, kissed the kids, all that. And uh, I just happened to look up from my steering wheel and saw my mom still standing, you know, on, on the porch. And I just remembered what my uncle had said. And I said, you know what, I'm going to get out of the car and give her another hug. And, um, I did, you know, I, I jumped up the stairs and said, I just want to give you another hug. I love you so much. And, you know, just gave her this big hug and a kiss and took a deep breath of her smell. Um, mm. cause I think that's, a, that's such a memorable part of, 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 of who we love, right. How mm -hmm. they smell. And, uh, then jump back into my car, just saying okay I can't believe I did that but I'm glad I did that and who knows right and um, probably within like I don't know it was within about a week or something like that I was I was making a recipe at home and I couldn't quite remember the details and rather than looking at the book of recipes that she had prepared for me I figured I'll just call her up it's always a great reason to call your mom and when I called my dad answered the phone he was kind of fumbling with the phone and he picked it up and I thought nothing of it. I thought, you know, he's just, he was just being clumsy or something, but then he says, Oh, you heard already, huh? And I just said, no, no. What are you talking about? And he said, well, your mother had a little accident. And so that was then the, you know, in our 3d physical time, that was the delivery of the news. And my dad told me at that time that my mom was cooking lunch that day for the two of them and um they had a stove that was you know with a gas stove and i guess she was uh reaching to one of the back burners to pull the teapot off and there was something on the front burner and her sleeve caught on fire oh. and uh, the the flame went up one of her sleeves across her back and down the other and although my father was home it, you know fire moves very very quickly and he put it out with his hands so the reason why he was fumbling was because his hands got burned too and the, the ambulances came, they took him to one place and he took, they took my mom to another place that had a, a burn unit. And, uh, 
he told me that she was there and um i just immediately you know said oh my gosh well you know i'll be there as soon as i possibly can full well knowing it was a five and a half hour drive down oh wow uh so i hung up the phone and i i turned to my husband and at that point we probably weren't uh really communicating on my abilities and my skills you know those kind of things are a little odd to talk to people about even someone that you really love and I mean at that point we had been together I don't know 12 15 years something like that but um I hadn't really talked too much about these premonitions with him so Mm -hmm. um I said hey I just want to let you know my mother had a major accident she got burnt I don't know the 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 deal you know but I'm I'm gonna leave right now and I don't know when I'm coming back and we had two small kids at the time, seven and 12. And, uh, and, and he said, oh, and I said, and by the way, I talked to my uncle about three weeks ago. And this is what he said. And he said, well, Uncle Joe's gone. And I said, yep. Mm. And I said, so this is the beginning of the end. And I got to go. And um, he was obviously supportive. But I ran upstairs, packed, packed a bag. I don't even know what I put in it. And I was, I was on the road within 10 minutes. And, um, you know, when I was getting closer to where my parents lived, I, I called up the hospital to just talk. And the nurse who was taking care of my mother told me to pull over. And she had had burns over, I don't know, something like 21 or 23% of her body. And uh, she said, I, I just want you to know that this is very serious. Mm-hmm. And um, we don't want you to come to the hospital tonight. There's no reason she's resting. We have her on you know, medication. She's comfortable. Come tomorrow morning with your father and uh, just try to get rest, which was almost like a, an oxymoron to say something like that, right? right. But um, when we went there, I guess, you know, just if you look at the, the meaning of having that for it was there was another meaning to it as well, too, because as she got burned on her arms and her back, um, uh, her face was fine, her hair was fine, you know, the rest of her was fine. But, um, you know, um, that hug that I had on the back of the porch was the last time I ever got to hug my mom because I couldn't hug her because of her burns. Mm. So when I talk about these things, I mean, it, it's, it's a pretty heartbreaking story. I understand. I, I lived it. Right. But on the sorry. other hand, just thank you. But just think about the gift, right. Um, yes. That my uncle gave me, right. The gift was that I literally got to hug and smell and, and just, just relish in that deliciousness of my mom mm-hmm. so close to the time that this happened and you know I, I even think back after you know she did pass away I, I just remember you know going back to her room and her pajamas are still hanging on the back of her bedroom door and all that and you know for months it still had her smell and it was um I think I was just reminded on a on a constant basis when I went went back to her house um, mm-hmm. and it was so that was that was one of the the bigger experiences that I've had about um being in touch with someone that's passed over, but that was such a beautiful, positive impact on my future, even though it ended in the death of my mom. Oh, man, that is such a beautiful, but yes, tragic story as well. Yeah, it's like oh. walking to a glass. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, this was um, this was really kind of interesting. And the my uncle, my uncle Joe, he was, um, he was a guy that my mom was, um, one of, 
six kids. There was five girls and one boy and my uncle Joe was the only boy. And my dad has, he's one of eight and there's um, uh, five boys and three girls in his family. But out of everybody, my uncle Joe was my unk. You know, he was, he was mm. the guy mm-hmm. and he had gotten married when he was older and he had stepkids, but he had never been around kids. And him and my mom were probably the closest um, out of, you know, the, the brother with the sisters. And um, uh, as a result, we were kind of like almost like his kids as well too. So we always had had a very, very special and close relationship. And, um, you know, as you get older, when you're, when you're a kid, you know, you begin to separate a bit from your family, you know, the schedules for sports, the schedules for college, everything kind of really, you know, kind of pushes things apart a bit. And we had already lived three hours away from them. So as we got older, I just remembered how much I loved him. And, um, and, uh, I knew that he was kind of having some, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of difficulty with his health. I wasn't quite sure what it was. And I knew his wife was quite ill and in the hospital at the same time as him at one point. So I just grabbed that same friend, Jackie. And I said, Hey, would you mind coming with me with the kids to go down and visit? I'd love for him to visit my kids. And um, I just want to just, you know, visit with them as an adult, you know, it had been so long. And um, when I went to visit him, um, I had found out that he had uh, lymphoma. And, uh, you know, so I was really glad that I was there because um, his stepdaughter and I became immediately close. I mean, I think the last time she and I had seen each other, I was 10. and Here I was, I was like, I don't know, like 40 or something. And uh, so we bonded and she, you know, helped me understand what was going on so that I could really kind of communicate that to the family. But, you know, jumping forward a bit after he passed away a couple months later, um, you know, I, uh, my, um, I was at his, 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 uh, his, his wake and his funeral. We had, you know, I come from a traditional Catholic background and, you know, they have the, the wakes and the funerals and then the repast centers. It's a, it's a beautiful, I think, um, ritual that kind of helped walk me through things early on with my, uh, my, do we call it a career in death or experience with death? <laughs> but um, uh, at his funeral, like my mom had, I came back and told my mom who was a little bit ill at the time that you know she should try to get up and see him because I wasn't so sure how long he'd be there mm-hmm. and she she didn't and then when she passed he passed away she felt horrible about it and you know it, there's nothing right and wrong about that I think people have to understand that when somebody passes over there's you know everything's forgiven because they see everything from everyone's perspective there's no longer this veil of what you're thinking how you feel and mm. you know that exists in the 3d world so so um, very well put. Thank you for that. Yes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But uh, when we were at his, at his wake, you know, I, I, I walked in and, um, you know, I, I, mean, I, I kind of had a John Edwards moment, you know, when I was there, which is it's I don't share it very much with my family. I think once I, I, I recently published a book on my experiences with my, both the loss of my mom and my dad and some of my family members have read it. Um, and those that have were like, holy crap, we did not know that about you. <laughs> and I'm, yeah. like, I'm sure you didn't because, uh, you know, it's not something that you kind of walk around and say, hey, unless it's your career, you know, I mean, you know, that's, you know, you usually don't hurt yourself. But anyway, when I was at his wake, I kind of went up and knelt down to say a prayer and clear as day, you know, he jumped in and he says, hey, I, I just want, you know, please tell your mother that, you know, she shouldn't feel bad about any of this. You know, this is, this is exactly how it's meant to be. And I'm, I'm happy and free and you know, and it's all good. And, you know, how do you kind of tell that, Hey mom, uncle Joe was just talking, you know? So I, I kind of tried to just tell her without telling her that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and I think that that helped probably a little bit. But what was beautiful too, you know, he he had um, a small insurance policy that um, he asked my mother to split up between my kids and my sisters. And when my mom sent the check, she said, "Oh, just go light a candle for him." And um, I uh, I went to a church locally here where I live in Vermont and I brought the kids with me. And it was one of the few places that you can actually still light a candle, right? I um. You know, just as a side note, I really can't stand those like LED candles <laughs> when they say, here, light a candle. It's like, no, it's not the same. You know, there's something about the ritual of, of the flame and how it actually presences the person mm-hmm. um, and the spirit of the person who's passed. I mean, I just feel strongly about that. But this church had this. And so I, I lit the candle and I sat down. And just as I was about to, I started saying my prayers and I, you know, I you know, just went back to what I what I knew from my religion and um, as clear as day his voice started joining me in the prayer and it was so real that I turned around and looked. I mean, I fully expected to see him. It was, it was that real. And I'm like, the kids are running all around here because I was the only one in the church with the kids and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And so then I just continued on with the prayer and heard his voice. And so the time that he told me that my mother um, was going to be leaving um, wasn't the first time I heard his voice. It was the second. So it wasn't, I probably wanted to say that because it wasn't such a shock the second mm. time I heard it. They had already mm-hmm. come to me and spoke to me. Beautiful. Sounds like he had a real special connection. Yeah, we did. Yeah, great guy. Great guy. But that was, you know, that was one of a, a few. Um, I must say that um, those were probably, you know, my first experience. Well, maybe. Um, the first real big ones where somebody had really spoken to me, but um, like yeah. you cannot ignore this <laughs> kind oh, of without doubt, right? You're sure, right. you're really sure. And you know, by the way, it's funny. I've been, you know, since I've been doing this, I've been learning more and more and more about it. And um, um, a woman that I've come to know, um, who's um, a psychic medium, she said, "Well, she said, you know, your loved ones want to talk to you all the time, and they're there." And she said, "You know." you just aren't probably seeing it and hearing it. Um, And so allow yourself that space and time to get the without a doubt signs. Mm. And she said, and and I said, how do you know it's without a doubt? And she said, well, she said, I said, in particular with the thoughts thing, right? Because I think that's the thing that I struggled with most when I first had it was, you know, was that my thought or did that, you know? And she said, well, you know, you can usually, know when it's your thought because you can kind of go back to what preceded that thought mm. you know the thought the thought that led to the thought yeah but when it's um your loved one coming through to you it's just like it just kind of drops in and that's how you kind of know the difference and um that makes sense you know that you know it does it makes perfect sense in fact while you were telling that story the thought dropped into me of how many times we you know, people in general may get that sort of a, a drop in and just ignore it or just say, oh, well, that's interesting. Or, oh, what a coincidence, right? Totally, totally. And, you know, the same thing goes for, you know, the physical signs that you might see, right? So mm-hmm. like, you know, some people, you know, say, oh, a cardinal means, you know, or, or a butterfly or a dragonfly or a hummingbird. A lot of people, you know, attribute that to, um, you know, a, a loved one's spirit coming to visit with them, which could be true. Um, but the advice that she had given me on this too, which was really great is they kind of tend to do things that, that, that creature, 
um, may not normally do. So mm. if it's a bird, you know, it may kind of fly at you a couple of times or be really noisy. Or if it's a hummingbird, it may just kind of keep coming around and really exploring right, right around you, almost like trying to get your attention or the same thing with the dragonfly landing right in front of you. And if you scare it away, it comes back and it lands right in front of you again. And so it's, it's kind of those things that I love to say, because I, I think, um, the one thing that we all want to know, right, when somebody passes away is, is, are they okay? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Yes. That's the first question, right? Are they okay? And, you know, the answer is always going to be yes, but um, those signs are a way to help us see that. And so when we, when we kind of think that, you know, is, is that thought mine or is it something that's just dropped in? It's very easy to tell now that you know. And then the same thing with the signs of, um, you know, from nature that we might get. Right. Right. And it's that, yeah, I hear what you're saying. People want to be assured, and I've been there too, you know, you know that there's a transition has occurred, but you like that sign of people being at peace or, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that means so much to your heart, right? Like, I think that that, um, especially if someone's had, you know, um, a death that, you know, wasn't peaceful. They just didn't fall asleep, you know, and, and, and never wake up. If it was something that was after a, a prolonged illness or a painful experience or a, a violent um, mm-hmm. or unexpected, you know, like a car crash or, or you know, something like that. And um, that's why I think these signs and symbols are, are so incredibly important. Um, when I was younger, um, I, well, I guess, you know, my first, ex- well, you know, I don't know, it's kind of, I guess I'm a little bit unusual because a lot of people kind of protect their kids from death these days. But um, when I was younger, I think the I mean, first wake I was two was when I was two. So I was never, it was never hidden from me. It was always a part of things. And, you know, as you get a little older, you kind of always like to kind of pretend your wallpaper and listen into adult conversations. So I probably listened into a lot of that stuff out of just pure curiosity when I was little. And um, as I got older, I think, you know, I, I lost, you know, I was there for many different wakes and funerals, but the first person that really super shook me was the death of my maternal grandmother. Um, uh, she died when she was, I think just a week shy of her 92nd birthday. And I was, I was in college. I was like, I don't know, 19 or 20. And, um, that was that she was a real matriarch, you know, she was just a, a beautiful, calm, sweet, pleasant person who had been through a tremendous amount she had immigrated from Czechoslovakia to the U.S. you know it was an arranged marriage she had before she came here she had six kids and when my mom who's the youngest was only nine months old her husband passed away suddenly from a heart attack so she really had a you know kind of a rough life but you know was was a real presence and um so when she passed away it was it was just a huge gap in my life because she had always been there and you know grandmas are you know there's if you have a special relationship with your grandma you kind of get the feeling of what I had with her and um, I just remember leaving her funeral with my dad driving me back to college and you know seeing the rays of sunlight streaming out from behind a cloud saying like you know maybe that's you know God taking her soul back up to heaven I don't know you know I mean I think I kind of probably had heard that somewhere but as I began to try to explore my emotions it just the whole thing didn't make sense I'd, I'd been studying science in college and you know, you learn that matter and energy can't be created and destroyed. So like if her body's done and the energy's left it, you know, where'd the energy go? And so that was really the start of my, my quest because my religion didn't answer that, right? It didn't, 
it didn't have that continuum of information that I felt that I needed that that gave me the comfort that I was looking for. And um, I kind of started with all sorts of stuff. I started reading like, you know, like Shirley MacLaine out on a limb. I think that was probably one of the first books I read because it was someone that, you know, you kind of knew and then it was just like unusual experience. And um, it really opened my eyes to it. And then I started working with different people that could channel and um, I started trying to learn different things myself. I had learned how to do um, past life regressions from this beautiful woman who was a, um, a channeler and um, she, her name was Evelyn Isidore. And um, I met her when I was probably about like 25 and um, she reminded me of probably like what your aunt was. You almost expect her to show up sitting around in curlers and stuff. You know, she was, <laughs> she was nothing really differentiated, but she was just, you know, just kind and had this gift. And it was amazing. And um, um, one day I was, I was traveling for work probably when I was like, I don't know, 27 or 28. And um, I was at the airport in Chicago and flying home. And as I'm waiting for my flight, I, I kept feeling something on my head, you know, almost like when, you know, like when the wind blows the top of your hair and it gets a little itchy or you feel like a bug just landed on your head, like one of those kind of feelings. And I was like, what the heck is this? And when it was so profound that I was like kind of embarrassed and thinking, my gosh, if this bug keeps landing on my head, I'm going to really be really embarrassed. So I took my brush out and I started brushing my hair and it wasn't going away. And then out of the blue, I just said, oh, you know, I'm just going to get up and make a phone call. Geez, I haven't been to one of Eleanor's classes in a while. I'll call her up and see what she's got going on. And when I called her house from the airport, um, her son answered the phone. He said, I'm, I'm sorry to let you know, but Evelyn passed away today. Mm. And that was, you know, so it was, you know, you kind of wonder and then you're like, hmm, that was really interesting. And so I waited to see when there was a celebration of her life and I showed up and all these other people that I knew from those classes, you know, you kind of were almost on a first name basis. You didn't necessarily always know everybody. And they were like, oh my God, did you, how did you find this out? And I kind of told them this story and they were very pleased because they had been with her and singing chants while she passed away. And <clears throat> it was almost like they felt that, you know, she had come to, to me to give a sign and, and I didn't realize it until a little bit later, but um, that was a way that um, several people that were close to me um, showed that they were leaving on their way out. You know, they would kind of just kind of tickle my hair. And when I would sit down and be present, because that's like the really other part of it, right? If you kind of think something might be happening, stop everything and be very present and quiet in the moment. Give it a break. Let it have a chance to come through, right? Mm, um, yes. And that's, that's another message, right? So it's it's not like I'm, I'm unique or I'm that different. I think that many people, should they just allow themselves that time to be present? There's so many gifts and so many, you know, ways that someone can communicate um, with you once they've gone, that if you allow the space, it can happen. I, I would like for you to just um, say that again, <laughs> because you, that is so it, isn't it? It's, we have so much, we create so much of our own interference with right. what we're doing. We pride being busy, busy, busy. It takes usually a breakdown of some sort to realize that it's not a great thing to be thinking about all the things I need to do constantly. You know, that there's actually benefit into letting our mind rest. And so just please reiterate that again, because so many people want that type of connection, but that stillness needs to come, doesn't it? it? It it's 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 all about the stillness, um, and and it's you know why, right? So it's it's a couple of things. One is um, for me is that you're actually physically being present, present with the present time, 
And that's really important in particular when you're going through a pending loss or you're, or you're now in grief, because when you go, your thoughts race tends to be that people run backwards in time and they wish it never happened or they yeah. want to remember always that it used to be, or they run forward and say, Oh my God, what am I going to do when I lose yes. them? What am yes. I going to do? Yeah. You know, and, and that. And so the idea of, um, uh, of just, if you think you might be having something just to completely stop. And the easiest thing to do when you're in that space is to just sit and either rest your, close your eyes and put your hand over your heart. Or, you know, if you can't, if it's in a place where you can't put your hand over your heart, put your thumb on your pulse, remind yourself of your own aliveness, your own being, right? It brings you so, when you're conscious with your breath, when you're conscious with your heartbeat, um, that's the easiest way to become present. So if you just kind of rest your hand over your heart and just begin to count, you know, count, breathe in for three and then let it out count to four and let it out as you do that you just kind of pull yourself very very much into the present and when you're there you create that space for these communications to happen it's not unique to me it's not unique to you it's something that we all have access to we just have to allow it it's it's and it sounds simple when i say oh you just have to allow it i understand that that sounds complicated but this tool of just resting your hand on your heart and just counting your breaths is really, really, really key to getting there because it allows you to just focus on something, right? Sometimes, it, you know, when people say meditate or still your mind. People say, oh my gosh, I can't. My, my shopping list is going through my mind. My to-do list is going through my mind. But when you start to give your mind a little bit of busy work, which is count your heartbeats, count your breath you're actually being present with yourself. And that's when these things can kind of slip in. Another way that's very common is um, they come in through your dreams and you can know for sure that it's real. It's like a, without a doubt thing, if it's real, if um, they're well and they're fine, because that's exactly where they are. And sometimes that's the only time that you're still, they can kind of come through. So maybe, you know, after you've lost someone, it might be a good idea to, you know, throw a pad and pen next to your bed. And if you're woken up from a dream, um, you know, write it down. Or when you wake up, you may also ask yourself before you go to sleep, if I have a message from my mom, my husband, my dad, my child, whatever, um, let me wake up after that dream so I can remember it. Mm -hmm. That's another really great way to do it. Excellent points. I know um, you commonly hear from people that have felt a connection and dreams feeling that tactile like a really long warm embrace that you feel yeah. there's yeah. like being open to those signs right that people you you get out of and it's like that felt so real <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so cool I don't but have I the I mean I've had those types of experiences but I'm not speaking I'm just getting a lot of ahas listening to you. This is not an area of expertise, although I am wide open to these conversations and to, to, I, I talk to my loved ones a lot and want to hear more. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's great. And you know, you know, another great thing is to, you know, write a letter. Mm. 
write a letter, you know, and, and, you know, um, and whether it's, you know, I miss you or, you know, you're trying to resolve something, whatever it is, just, just write that letter. And you can either keep that letter um, or, you know, something kind of um, nice to do with it also is to just take the letter and, you know, burn it in a fire. And, you know, I like to believe that, you know, that the smoke that blows away are the things that are, you know, um, maybe either sending off to spirit or being released back to source and the smoke that blows back on you is the, the goodness of it. Right. And it may be oh, beautiful. You know, the essence of the, of, the, of the spirit that's, that's transitioned. Um, there's so many ways. It's kind of crazy how many ways there are to actually um, allow the space for that communication. And it's, it's, it's literally just in the, settling yourself and being still, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in meditation. It doesn't have to be long. It could be five minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is, but just, just take that time to just stop. Yeah. And, and, and not undermining at all because of years of experience with working with other humans. That's huge. You know, it, it, for people that aren't familiar with it, that getting still and practicing that, that can be a long trying first step. And, you know, the reason that many people don't try or give up, but, but it is worth persevering, isn't it? To practice that stillness, practice that stillness, even if it's for 30 seconds at a time or whatever. Do you want to do a a two minute that I can walk you through that anybody can do? Sure. Cool. Okay, great. Okay. So just find yourself in a comfortable place and just, you know, just relax your body. And then when you're ready, um, close your eyes and rest whichever hands you prefer on your heart. And then just begin to just kind of tune into, you know, sometimes when you're just sitting down, you can almost hear your heartbeat in your ears. Start to listen to that a bit. Start to feel it under your hand. And then the next thing that you might want to do is begin to take a breath. And so let's breathe into the count of three and then let it out for the sound. So let's come into one, two, three, and then let it out with sound. Now breathe into the count of four and let it out with sound. One, two, three, four, and let it out with sound. Now let's do five. In for one, two, three, four, five. Hold it. And now let it out with sound. Now let's bring our mind to thinking about three really small things that we're grateful for today. It could be a smile on a child that you pass by. It could be when the sun broke through the clouds. It could be a hug or a kiss from someone. So think of those three things right now. So let's think of the first one and just imagine resting it on your hand in a little gold bubble. Now let's imagine the second thing that we're grateful for today. What is it? Think of it and package it again in a little gold bubble and rest it on your hand. Now let's move to the third thing that we're grateful for. Think about it. Tuck it into that little gold bubble and rest it on your hand. 
And now think of someone, doesn't even have to be someone close to you, maybe someone who could use a little extra love just right now. And just imagine blowing those three little bubbles off your hand, like you might blow a, a flower petals off your hands. Just blow them towards that person and let that gratitude that you have turn into love going to their heart. Now come back to the feeling of your hand on your chest. And let's breathe in for three. One, two, three. And let it out with sound. Now ever so slowly, let your hand slide down off your chest and onto your lap. And come back and open your eyes whenever you're ready. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. And so that's like this just this short two-minute thing. So I'm going to ask you, right, do you just feel like a tiny bit more at peace right after that? Absolutely. And do you feel a little bit better because somehow in this beautiful, small little way, you practiced gratitude? Yes. And then again, don't you feel good because you actually shared love to someone else and you did something for someone else? Yes. Yes. And so those are some of those keys, right? So connect with the breath, connect with your heartbeat, have this little bit of a practice of gratitude, and then move it from the gratitude to sharing and doing something for someone else. When we lose someone and we're in a stage of grief, Sometimes one of the hardest things to do is to figure out how to get out of it, right? You know, like in your mind just goes crazy. And so, you know, when you, when you practice gratitude, it's telling the world what it is that you want more of in your life. Whether we realize it or not, that's exactly what we're doing, right? So you can be grateful for something that's happened or you can be grateful for what's going to happen. So you can remember that, right? I'm grateful that I'll always be connected to my loved ones, whether they're here in my 3D world or not. And then the idea when you're, when you're going through grief, sometimes helping others is extremely helpful for us and it helps to reduce our stress level. And just by even doing that little mental exercise that we did helps us do that. And you can do this anywhere at any time. I mean, I remember like when I was sitting in the hospital with, in particular with my dad and, you know, something might happen and I'd be like, I'm losing it. And you know what I would do? I mean, you know, we all drink water. We all have to go to the bathroom. Little tip, when someone's, something's getting a little too much, no one's going to be upset with you if you say, I really have to go to the restroom. I'll be right back. And you can kind of literally go into the restroom, do this meditation for two minutes behind a door and come back out and you're so much more present. Mm. So it's kind of like a tip through whether it's whether you're in the process of loss or you're in your grief. It's a, it's a really quick way to be able to kind of separate yourself and, 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 and put yourself into that beautiful Hmm. thank you thank you so why don't you tell us how your book came about oh okay so um after my mom passed away I had kind of almost assumed my dad was going to go very quickly because they've been married for 53 years but it was actually quite beautiful that he was with me for seven more years 
and it allowed me that opportunity and space and time to really get close to my dad and have great conversations to understand, to help him through his grief a bit, but then also to, um, you know, really understand him and, and what he needed and what he wanted. And so, um, uh, we got a diagnosis of, uh, prostate cancer and my dad just, it, it, it was stage four, you know, which is crazy walking like five miles a day up to like months before this happened so I'm not really quite sure how that happened but anyway it did and um, we wound up losing him within uh, two months and for the last two weeks of his life he was at a hospice which was um, uh, one of the most beautiful experiences I've had in my life I mean this this place was just all about making that person comfortable it was a, it was a big mental shift for me um, moving from the what can I do what can I do what can I do to now it's about having a good death. And it was, you know, it was completely different while well, the urgency was gone. And once I adjusted to that, it was, it was very good, but I wound up having some really, really magical experiences there. Um, and, uh, and then um, I, I was, I was actually able to be with him when he passed. I didn't mention, but with my mom, you know, the, the hospital was calling me, we couldn't get there in time, but I did feel her touch my head, like I'd mentioned with them. Mm. Um, so I did, I did know that she came and physically had said goodbye that day. So that was, at least, I at least had that, but, um, with my, with my dad, I was physically with him when he passed away. And ironically, the room that he was in, um, I never could get cell reception, which was totally perfect, right? You don't want to be on your cell phone during this time. And, uh, uh, but the, right after he passed away, they left me alone in the room and I called my sister and I literally had a conversation with her for almost and was able to talk to her in the room. So I know that there was something magical that happened there because I had been there for two weeks and it never happened before this time. And then, uh, um, you know, I, uh, I, uh, I mean, there was a bunch of magical things. I'm going to jump really forward, but I started having very, very amazing experiences with my father um, communicating with me after he passed away. And um, there was some really, I mean, it was, it was great because it was without a doubt, like I was with someone almost every time. So there was like, there was, they were like, did, did you see that? You know, kind of those kind of things. And I'm like, Oh, oh you must oh share. Give us, give us <laughs> an example or two, please. Okay. Okay. So there's, <laughs> there's, there's, there's two that are, are good. So one, one is, is, um, one of um, um, my husband's best friends was um, helping us redo the carpeting and the flooring in my dad's house because we had had this um, misguided idea that he was going to be able to come home and live for a, a, lot, a lot longer. Um, but he, you know, so we didn't, we weren't able to hospice him at home because the house was literally, you know, like all being redone. So that was kind of crazy. But Gary was there finishing up uh, some of the carpeting and he was working on the steps and I was, I was talking to him at one point and um, he, we were both standing completely and a hundred percent still. And while we were standing there, a picture jumped off the wall. My mom had these beautiful pictures of like the Emmett Kelly clowns framed on the wall there. And it kind of jumped off the wall and it walked itself like rollingly down about three or four steps. And then it kind of rolled into the kitchen and then next to the microwave cart and then it just leaned on the microwave cart and the frame separated from the glass but neither broke wow and he was like what was that <laughs> and i'm like 
I was Bill. He's just kind of showing he can move shit around and it's pretty cool. And he's like, oh my God. You can tell by now, like I was very excited because I I, I really felt, I, I knew the connection was there. It was so much easier with my dad because I knew it was, you know, he was right there. Mm. And um, so he kind of thought that was funny. So the next day when I came home, he was playing the Grateful Dead, you know, the band, the Grateful Dead in the house. And he says, I was checking in with Bill. I think he thinks this is a good inside joke. So he's okay with this. And I'm like, oh, okay. So now you're talking to him too. Well, that's kind of cool. But then, um, you know, a couple of days later, I was alone in the house and my dad's youngest brother, Bob, came to visit me and um, he was helping me with picking out the music and, you know, all the, the readings for my father's funeral. And um, I remember I'm assuming that he was alive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good question. Yeah, he was. Yes. And yes. he still is. And we're okay. still very close. So um, he, um, you know, he, he I was remembering that it was the trash day the next day and I had to take this stuff out. And I said, well, why don't you look through some of this stuff? I'm just going to run the trash out really quick. I'll be right back. And I went out to the, when I was going out the front door and I turned the porch light on and just, I turned it on and then it shut off. And I'm like, oh, damn, what a time for the light to go out. Right. Cause I can't see. And that got people coming and, oh, da, 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 da. and then all of a sudden the light flipped on. And I said, what? And then it flicked on and off twice. And I'm like, dad, is that you? And it flicked twice again. I'm like, ah, this is so cool. Bob, come here, check it out. Dad's here. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so he kind of came and, and I said, look, I said, this is, I know that my dad's, you know, my dad's spirit's here right now. I said, why don't you just, you know, maybe you guys have something to talk about or whatever, but he's right here. I'm going to finish running out the trash and then I'll be back. And so I'm running out stuff back and forth. I can see him pacing back and forth in the kitchen and this light is flashing on and off and on and off occasionally. And, and it was really cool. And so I came back in and I just said, how'd that go? And he goes, well, he said, um, I was telling him that he has some pretty amazing daughters and uh and uh i think i think you know we've had a good conversation i think we're good and i said okay and so i turned and i faced the light and i said hey thanks dad that was really that was really pretty cool um love you and he flashed the light twice and then it went on and it never went off again oh my gosh that is so cool <laughs> so 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 yeah it was it was it was just you know and um it was amazing because these, I mean, there was a series of them. It wasn't just those two. It was, it was a bunch. Like he was, he was just so liberated from his body. I could feel that, um, you know, he was joyful and I could, uh, I could just see, he was just totally relishing his ability to just be a little bit of a prankster and, and, you know, his ability to move energy. And it was really, it was really impressive. I mean, I think back to the movie ghost and it reminded me a little bit about that, you know, not in a malevolent way, but in an extremely positive and playful way. Yes. And um, so, I, you know, um, after the, the funeral passed and everything like that, I, um, I think it was like two weeks later or so I called the, um, the, um, the minister at, the the hospice because she and I had become very close during that time and I started telling her a couple of these things and she was like girl this is this is really interesting um I sure hope you're journaling and I'm like no but I got a pretty good memory she's like you really need to write this down because people need to hear this and so I you know I probably waited a little bit and then um you know again surreptitiously started talking to some friends at my farmer's market and you know saying oh yeah she's telling me i should be writing a book and he goes well you do know i'm a publisher right and so that was the beginning of how that happened oh wow and, uh, yeah and you know it took a couple of years because of different reasons and different things that came up but it, i think it was all the perfect timing of when it was meant to be but i um i wrote the book in a way that it wasn't the you know i, I don't think the what was me but the book is really about um the name of the book is called um to die for the gifts of being present through loss and grief. 
and um, you know, the, the, to die for came, I mean, I was originally raised by, you know, in New Jersey, outside of New York. And, you know, there's always the food that was to die for, the shoes that were to die for. <laughs> you know, so it was kind of a nice play on words. I can say like a lot of people were like a little shocked by the title, but the second part is really the most important, right? The gifts of being present. And um, I really wanted to relay a lot of these kinds of stories, but they're woven in such a way that I, it's a bit of a how-to, a very practical, like, hey, I went through this stuff and these were some of the things that I hit and everything from choosing doctors and hospice and funerals and all that kind of crazy stuff to the emotions that I, that I went through as well as the spiritual revelations and experiences that I had, because I feel like if I was able to just kind of throw it all out there, it was going to allow other people to say, I had that too, because I think when you lose someone, when you're in that phase of grief, um, however painful it is, it's like your heart is kind of cracked open and you are so much more closer to being able to experience these magical things if you just allow yourself to be present. And I just wanted it to be a book about hope. It's Although it's about death, it's really about hope. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for Thank sharing you. that with the world. <laughs> Thank you. I'm... Um, it's, 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 um, it's amazing. I, I, um, I feel really honored to do it. It was a little scary. Like I said, I was kind of putting myself out there, but now I'm just like, yeah, what the heck, you know, you only live once, right. Or well, at least, you know, you live this life once. <laughs> and, um, so I did it, but now it's actually trans transferred itself into creating some other pathways. And so I've got, um, a YouTube channel where I interview all different kinds of people and I'm, I'm publishing them now on my YouTube channel, like on the first and the 15th of every month to try to just bring some conversations out there that maybe um, people need to hear. Um, and then um, I have um, workshops that I'm offering. And the first one that I've been doing is um, healing your heart through self-care during loss and grief, because I feel like um, people don't really understand that many of the things that they're going through when they're in grief is because of the stress that they're in. And there's so many little things that we can do to help um, help ourselves that we just, you know, if we just have that conversation, it helps to, to transmute that. And then um, last but not least, I'm in the middle of um, designing um, and uh, preparing for the launch of um, a product line to support that, because I feel like, um, I learned a, a couple of things through um, my own experiences with others that uh, sometimes, you know, flowers um, aren't the best possible gift. And so maybe there could be gifts that would be um, positive and healing to um, the heart and mm. the spirit of the person who's going through grief. going to be designed to somebody through their grief. So it would be beautiful. second level people um if you wouldn't mind just pausing for a second and repeating that because i think it was very distorted for me and it may be for our listeners just that bit about sure. what's going to be in the box gifts from the heart yeah right um so they're 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 gifts that may be beautiful or gifts that may be um, tasty, but they're designed to also have a, a second and a third meaning that will really help you with your um, physical and spiritual needs while you're going through the grieving process. Beautiful. That is just beautiful. Hey, and I'm wondering, do you have your book in front of you? Um, I probably have a copy here somewhere. <laughs> well, I didn't know if there was uh, a, a passage you might want to share with us. Sorry, I should have mentioned that earlier. 
Um, oh, no, no, that's okay. Um, I might be able to pull it up on my, um, my computer while we're here. If you, if yeah, you can... yeah. Patient, so what do you think you might want to hear about? I don't know, but I, I, I want to just say while you're looking, what's striking me is, um, yeah, this is, it's a new paradigm, I feel. And it's an important one at looking at loss and grief. And I love that this isn't about six months down the road or two years down the road, you know, when, when your head may be coming up from the depths and you're taking a gasp of air, this is, I'm feeling from what you're saying, a support and a coaching about harnessing that connection or at least being mindful of the possibility of that from the moment of death or transition on. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know how much there is out there like that. I'm really loving this. Mm. Oh, thank you. And I think that that's true. I, you know, for me, um, this is, you know, even though I had been through so much of this stuff, I don't know that I ever, you know, I hadn't done it myself, right? Mm. And, and when it's something that you deeply love, um, it's so much more. Um, it's so much more when it's someone that you love. Um, Absolutely. Uh, and and so just the crazy things that you come across so for me it was you know my goal for this was like it was a how-to a little bit with some things and then it was also a how-to for myself um and you know again just showing where I did well and where I didn't do so well and um really just kind of that moment where you say okay let's let's um let's find it out yeah yeah so just personally in 1983 my father died and we had a really magical visiting experience so I was pre-informed it was one and I won't go into that now I actually did a uh, an episode on it where three people witnessed it and you know it was very profound so that's made me be like not look at things as coincidence possibly you know or at least explore oh, this may be just a little bit more than isn't it a coincidence. And it's made me these deep, deep losses, transitions, my, my loves of my life have made, you know, it's make me, made me walk into it eyes wide open from the very beginning, right? Um, yeah. And that's, that's what I'm feeling is, you know, rather than, because I kind of felt, oh, there's a lot of resources out there, as you know, there's a lot of books, but they, they seem to be just, um, kind of one focus like one I love that really informed me was hello from heaven and it's case studies case studies case studies of contact with people yeah. Um, yeah. what do they call it um, after ADCs after death communications but that's different than what we're talking about here because there it was like yeah that's great validation this has happened so much there's chapters on certain things but what I'm hearing from you is the beautiful melding of your personal examples. Maybe you share others too, but also that awareness of, yeah, I'm not getting this now if I was the reader. Help me, help me. I want this and you're giving us that. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Cool. Oh, for sure. Cool, and, cool. and um, you know, um, I'm, before I read, I just, can I share just one little small thing that I think is another thing that's very interesting? Absolutely. Um, when I was, um, when I was, 
there's this 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 continuum that exists, right? I mean, do you have any children? Yes. Okay, so you're your mom, you remember what it was like being pregnant, right? Absolutely. So yep. it was really cool, right? You you could touch your kid, you could talk to your kid, they went everywhere with you. It was just amazing, right? They were with you all the time. And then you gave birth. And then do you remember the first time that you walked away from your firstborn when you left them somewhere else? Oh, you I remember trauma. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Right. So all of a sudden, you know, you were at one physically, but then you were, there was physical separation. Now, if we kind of look at this whole death process thing, isn't it exactly that just in reverse? Mm. So we're physically separated from our loved ones while we're on the physical plane, even though we don't think about it, right? Because we're both encased in different bodies. Right. So we're physically separate from them. But then, you know, after someone transitions, you know, there's the, the avatar of the body for just a little bit, right? Until mm-hmm. that's either, you know, whatever you do to resolve um, that, whether it's a burial or a cremation or whatever. And then next, you know, maybe the gravesite or their things become their avatar, right? I know for me, visiting the gravesite was amazing. Then we had the, you know, the, the, the headstone put there, or I, like I said, I used to go back and spell my mother's nightgown, you know, I could visit her in all those places. And somewhere for me around like the fifth month or so, I started realizing that I could actually say my mother died without, you know, just blobbering and bursting into tears. And what I realized at that point is that that avatar of her physicality had now transitioned into me very much like it was like, so I was, my heart became pregnant with my love for her Mm. and my memories of her. And so, you know, and and at that moment, when you realize they're closer than they've ever been to you, there's no longer any separation. And, um, and it's all good at that point. There's no, you know, there's no, you know, angsting that you're not there. There's no worries about negative communications. There's, you know, it's, it's literally the most beautiful thing. It's almost like when you were, you know, pregnant with your child, they go, they can, you know, the, the relationship is that open that they can, you know, they can be there for you when you're ready. Beautiful. Yes. Very much resonates. Thank you. Oh, cool. Um, well, I think what I'm going to do is, um, um, I have, I have this one section that, um, just kind of talks about, um, the news, um, and it's called paralyzing a call to action or a mixture of both. And I think that, um, I'd like to talk about that because I think the news is that first trigger that hits us. And that's almost the first place where we begin to make choices. And I'd like to point out at that point, that you can make a choice to do something or you can make a choice not to do something. And many times people are caught in the, I don't know what to do. And when you're in that, I don't know what to do phase, just recognize that that too is a decision mm-hmm. um, because there's not action. Right. And, and it's not good or bad. It's just to recognize those things. So I'm just talking about that as being a call to action or a mixture of both. Um, okay. When you learn that a loved one is in a crisis that will likely result in the end of their life, you panic. You may be in denial or you may want to try to fix it. At those, in these moments, it is also good to push yourself to grasp the difference between what you may want versus the experience your loved one may want. This came to me in many ways. Do they want to fight or accept the illness? How do you greet that person when you go into their hospital or the hospice room? How do you manage or interact with the people who take care of your loved one? How do you manage the discussions with other family members or loved ones? 
So much comes up in this moment to remember to ground yourself because each step is a choice. Each step is a choice to come to terms with things, to be present, to be reactive, to be responsive. Your choices can have significant impact both on your experience and that of your loved one. That's beautiful. Thank you. It's it to me. It's, I know it's it's not related to our amazing experiences, but I I think you know what it is is you know death brings up a lot of unresolved feelings and beliefs, and a lot of times our dread or our worry or our you know our, our lack of desire to engage with it is because we haven't resolved our our our, our feelings and thoughts of ourselves, and as we do resolve those. Uh, we we choose to kind of go forward and, and just run that gauntlet and do that the rewards are so profound because absolutely absolutely yeah and <clears throat> so much of yeah i mean it just again it deeply resonates so much of what you see that turns into conflict or turmoil or crisis surrounding those times is about your the person not the dying person but the person's, yeah, own unresolved issues or, or needs or inability to talk about things or, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's big stuff. Big stuff. It is. And there's no quote unquote right way to handle it. There's your way to handle it. And, you know, that's where, um, you know, being present really helps you come into understanding um, your choices. Yes. Your, your choice to have, you know, beautiful experiences with it yes and a reminder to check in with what our dying loved one wants even in those last moments of their lives I'm actually going through that right now so this is really hitting really hard um and I mean in a beautiful way and intensely because I was able to have that conversation with the loved one yesterday and you know, at a glance, you would think it was too late, right? But in essence, actually, if you clue in to the person and touch base, you know, sometimes at the times that we've kind of written off hearing or communication or, you know, thinking decision making is too hard right now, you know, it's just important to remember that our loved ones are you know, to touch base, they're still there. What do they want? Not what do I want kind of conversations can happen until they can no longer happen. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's so Mm. true. And it is about being in the moment and, you know, you get so overwhelmed with your own um, mixed emotions and heavy emotions that um, sometimes you can't, yeah, you know, you just got to really be still and remind yourself to be in that moment with person. You do. And um, I mean, kudos to you. Like you said, it's never too late. And you know, to, to have it unspoken is kind of, you know, a little tough. I, I wish that um, I got really pushed at the end of my dad's life to, you know, like, you know, here we are at this situation. And now, you know, you have to choose a hospice and he has to move tomorrow. And I'm like, what? I'm still reeling from the information. And then they're like saying, you got to do it tomorrow. I'm like, what the hell is that? You know, but it turns out like, you know, stuff doesn't happen in a hospital on a weekend. This was a Thursday. So they're like, oh yeah, let's get all done tomorrow and wrap it up. And I'm like, yeah, no, we don't have yeah. to rush this. 
And so there's times when you can actually, you know, speak up for yourself with those things. But um, what was difficult is once we got to the hospice, because he was in so much pain, they had given him morphine. And um, really, I, these are those times, right? You know, and so learn from, learn from me. Um, uh, I had visions of us, you know, wheeling him outside and enjoying a little bit of the last sunshine, you know, his last days and things like that. And, you know, he was in so much morphine because he was in so much pain. They, they understood it. They recognized it. Um, uh, that um, when I said, okay, dad, I'll see you when we get to the, to, to, to the villa next. And, um, and he's like, okay. And I was like, okay, I love you. I'll see you in a little bit. And do you realize that that was the last time I heard his voice because Aww. the morphine dropped him up so much. I never heard his voice again. And I'll just, uh, you know, it just blew my mind. Um, and to this day <laughs> he's been gone like I don't know three or four years and um, he used to have like a little like a little hand recorder and you know with those little teeny tiny tapes in them you know and he used to kind of record different things that he was thinking and to this day I still haven't listened to it and um, I'm not sure uh, I can tell by the emotions that are coming up now. I'm not sure I'm ready yet for that. Um, and I think people need to understand that, you know, that these things with, you know, you, you're not going to lose the fondness that you had for their hugs, their smell, their voice, their presence, you know, um, all of these wonderful things, they're good, but they're, they're still, you know, there's still these little things that, that will be there because the love that you had and the deeper the love that you had, you know, sometimes the deeper the emotions that come up with it as well too. So one of these days, maybe I'll have another book in me when I listen to that tape. Yes. Yes. Oh, well, thank you so much. And for being with us today, this has been a beautiful, beautiful conversation. Um, Thank you. I really enjoyed sharing it. We had an opportunity to talk about some things that I, uh, I don't know we share and um, they're really pretty precious, but I just want everybody to understand that it's, it's not just me. I think that it's possible for everyone if you're just going to allow a little bit of space for it in your life. Absolutely. That was a huge sharing and the guided imagery is a gift that you've given to us all. Thank you. We can return to that. Mm. Great. Great. Yes. So, Anne, if you would, um, be so kind to let people know where they can find you and where they can get your beautiful book. And we will also note this at the end of our podcast. Sure. Sure. So um, the answers to probably just about everything is on um, the website for the book. And the website is www.todieforbook.com. So pretty straightforward. And um, there are links on there. There's more information about me, some really cool family pictures. Um, There's a link that goes directly to Amazon. The book is available on um, Kindle or um, hardcover. And uh, there's also a link to um, my YouTube channel, which is um, to die for a book. Um, And interviews are there for you to, to peruse as well. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And I forgot we're yes. also on Instagram. Instagram too. Awesome. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. So there's cool. posts probably at least twice a week on Instagram. So you can also catch us there and also on Facebook. And again, to die for a book. Everything is to die for a book. Great. Great for YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. 
Awesome. All right. Well, I'm sure um, along with our listeners, we'll agree that we're very grateful for this time you gave us today. Thank you. Oh, wow. Yes. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. And with that, we will bid adieu for today. Goodbye. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us today. We'd love for you to get further connected with our project. You can find the links in the podcast information. You can also find the Death Dialogues Project on Facebook, on Instagram, and at www.deathdialogues.net. Take good care and see you next time.